Well, back in May 2019, our Regent Hall Theology of Welcome, along with a 25-word vision statement accompanying it, was agreed as a call. It took six months of hard work to get there, but these 25 words now provide the foundation for every decision we're ever going to make at Regent Hall, as far as we can see anyway going forwards. The other thing we did back in May 19, 2019 was this. The core leadership asked Richard and I if we could invest um, time into teaching and preaching at the core around the theology of welcome so that we could all understand it a bit better and get deeper into it rather than it be stuck in a drawer somewhere as a document we'd signed off and then forgot about. So we committed to every year going forwards two Sundays every year called Vision Sundays and this is one of those. Sadly for me it's uh, Richard's and my last Vision Sunday. We've loved these. We've loved these special Sundays but we're going to come back round this morning again to where we first started with our teaching in 2019. And that's why we've had the two parables we've had this morning because those are the parables we read back in May of that year. And the two parables we read this morning are windows into a kingdom kind of welcome. The parable of the marriage feast wel welcoming us into a relationship with Jesus reminds us that God's not pursuing a casual affair with us or a business partnership but a covenant relationship that will transform us, will take over us, take over our passions and priorities, nothing less. We often think about the second story of the sheep and the goats as a command to go and do something for others, but really it's a story about welcome, about those who invite others and therefore Jesus in and those who don't, and because of their rejection, they reject Jesus. It's an end time story, suggesting that regardless of who the sheep or the goats represent, and there's been much discussion about that, both are going to be equally stunned to find that inclusive, ordinary acts of welcome matter so much to God. Could it really be that our eternal destiny hangs on the kind of welcome that we choose to live out? Well, Jesus' first listeners wouldn't be surprised at this teaching. In that first century, welcome is part of the normal fabric of society. Just like we can't survive today without electricity or the internet, those people, that civilization, depended on hospitality. Strangers on their travels being given a meal or a safe place for the night. And until we're stranded in a strange, threatening place, as some might have been through the pandemic, for example, we can't connect with what it is to be in that need of that kind of desperate welcome. So in the ancient world, your survival depends on the kindness of strangers, which is why most ancient civilizations practiced hospitality on this grand scale. Yet the people of Israel take welcome to a new level beyond social cohesion to, to a spiritual discipline. Welcome is non-negotiable, the Israelites say, because Yahweh is a welcoming God. Which is why Paul in the New Testament urges the church in Rome to live out welcome. Romans 12, 13. Share with God's people who are in need. 
and being willing to share our lives, our space and our possessions with people who are not like us, who are strangers to us, is evidence to a watching world even today that a very different kind of kingdom is emerging. The truth is, we serve a God who is welcoming from beginning to end, who creates a world we can occupy, can enjoy, whose son Jesus offers us, offers us a staggering welcome that makes room for all kinds of us, the strained and struggling, the hard-hearted and hot-headed, the lonely, the sick, the dying. A God who stretches out his arms and makes room for our private petty sins as well as the sins of the whole world. And God future proofs this welcome by declaring a final banquet to which all who humbly come are invited. Revelation says, After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. He who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. And it goes on to say, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a final welcome that will be. Of course, welcome in our imperfect world is always in danger of corruption, of being dumbed down. Dumbed down to cosy suppers with those that we prefer to spend our time with, or a handshake that tends to stop past the door. Welcome breaks down when it unsettles our precious cliques. Welcome can be abused by those enjoying it most. It offends us when we have to give up our seat or a prejudice perhaps. Welcome feels uncomfortable because it is uncomfortable. It's not cheap. It's not cosy. It's costly. We like to think we're welcoming as a church, but so often the subtext is, you're welcome if you'll become like us, if you'll wear what we wear, if you fit in, if you behave like us. And that's why so many people drop away from church. And so this story this morning challenges us as to far how far our welcome will extend. And we must be vigilant in safeguarding the radical welcome of Jesus. And in the end, welcome must therefore be part of our worship, a form of our worship. Welcome that helps us to sing and pray and allows us to listen to God's word and feast at God's table together to enable us to practice God's welcome together. Every act of worship, every Sunday we gather is a little foretaste, don't you think, of heaven as we welcome all in the name of Jesus. And welcome is a form of discipleship. It's a craft that we must learn slowly cultivating eyes to see, and I say that with a capital S, to actually see the stranger with our heart, not just our eyes, to recognise that God is teaching us to recognise Christ in them. And it's a form of re repentance. When we fail at radical welcome of this nature, 
as we sometimes surely will, will keep coming back to its practice, practicing welcome when we don't feel like it, as an act of repentance in the face of our failure, as an act of penance as we remember God's welcome to us and seek God's forgiveness. See, welcome is not optional. It never was for Christians. But for Regent Hall, having signed up for this, it certainly isn't now. And welcome is becoming a normal way of life for us, as it was before, but more so now. Infusing the world and each other with the good news of Jesus. It's not fancy or loud. You know, what delights us most here at Regent Hall is discovering little personal acts of welcome that go on behind the scenes, which dismantle walls. Things that happen in quiet ways, by quiet people that you would never know in public. And yet, although we love that personal touch about welcome, it's got to be corporate as well. It's got to be institutionalised in the way we make decisions about our structures and our programmes. Who can be in? Who can be out? We must design ourselves for inclusion. Finally, welcome is who we ultimately become, not what we do. We'll fail, you know, we'll fail at this, but we keep making room for one person at a time until our capacity to welcome grows and flourishes. Someone once said, ultimately, hell is the experience of those too closed off to let themselves be welcomed by God or welcome who God would make their family. But here, but where that happens, the kingdom of heaven is already breaking in. And I'm going to finish this morning on a quotation by our loved scholar, Walter Brueggemann. Here is the good news, he says, out beyond the world of exclusion and rejection and hostility, there is on offer a world of welcome that sees the other not as a threat or a competitor, but as a cohort on the pilgrim, pilgrimage of humanity. That alternative world of welcome is signed, he said, by bread and wine, but it is known by lives that reach out and touch in order to heal and transform. That's amazing, isn't it? Let me quickly say again, that alternative world of welcome may be signed by bread and wine, but it is known by lives that reach out and touch in order to heal and transform. May that be so in our Regent Hall community as we reach out and touch and welcome and transform. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, open our eyes and our ears to receive your vision for our church as it unfolds and show us our parts within it. Teach us, change us and enable us for service wherever you might take us to your praise and your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>